Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Our guest on today's show, Seabass of WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt Athletic Director Candace Lee said on Tuesday that the school plans a football locker project to be complete by the start of spring practice. That, of course, the locker project that has been talked about for a couple of years now. Lee said some other things on facilities. You can read those at vandysports.com. That article is free. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spy-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. My friend, I hope you're doing well. I hope the podcast can live up to the pre-podcast. The pre-podcast was a lot of fun. Well, it's kind of like tailgating for the podcast. Yes, they can get a little disturbing at times, but never dull. We get serial serial killers. Uh, stray dogs, car washes, and a few other things to go along with it, man. We ought, you know what you're not, you know what you ought to start doing is recording that too and doing some outtakes, like a bloopers reel, if you will. There you go. You know, my kids, my daughter has been begging me to let her on the podcast for some time now. This has been relentless for a couple of months. She believes the audience has an interest in her talking about unicorns. So we'll just um well, just throw that out there. You already done that's well, that's right, sweetheart. We've already okay. covered that. Well now here's the deal. When you decide to do that and you should, uh can I be involved in that podcast? Well I don't know how else I would do that. I mean, because I don't think you 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 don't with all the love in the world to my boy George, I don't think that you want George to be the one on that podcast. Speaking of, of dogs. He said, how's your mother? <laughs> <laughs> Oreo's going to be an interesting one, I've decided. 
Uh, he was a pimp the second you named him Oreo. Oh, he was. This was, I think, Saturday. My wife is not here. And David is getting a new tablet from Amazon because he dropped his in the bathtub and it no longer worked. And, you know, he's just waiting for it to come. And so he's checking the front porch every hour or two. And finally it has come. He's looking out the door. He says, Dad, can I go get us? It's sure. So Oreo loves himself some on the loose. And we are in a cul-de-sac in our neighborhood, but we're in the corner next to the one of the main streets. And so I have to be very careful when I open the door. He will sprint out. So I'm sitting there, and I'm holding my foot about his neck level, just trying to get David to slip through the door, and he'll come back in, and we'll be fine. right? Well, before I know it, he's jumped over my foot, and he scoots out in the front yard, and he gets about 20 feet away and just turns around and stares at me like, what are you going to do, okay? So I start going after him, and he's figured out now, and he does this, Every day, many times a day. Like when we got to get him somewhere and he doesn't want to go, he knows we have to wrangle him, which turns into this thing where he lets me get, and he's got it timed out perfectly. He knows, I think, within an inch or two of how close I can get to him and not grab him. And so he'll just take off. So this is what happens in the front yard. He's staring at me. I come his way. You know, he sprints off a couple of feet away. And then he looks up and there's a car on the main drag. Uh, and it's a loop that goes around our cul-de-sac. And so he just takes off after the car uh, as fast as he can go. And I have no chance. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have to wait till he's done running. And after about 10 seconds, he figures out, okay, I can't catch the car. So he turns around and he just looks at me. Okay, now, like, what are you going to do? And this dog is seven months old. <laughs> and so I'm in my neighbor's yard across the street. And he's he's run over in there, and he's just waiting on me. And he lets me get close, you know, and I get close enough, and then he just takes off, right? Uh, and he does that three or four times. And, I I mean, it looks like the Keystone Cops, right? And I'm scared to death that he's going to get right. run over. Our street isn't super busy, but it's busy enough that he could dart out in front of the street. And we got a lot of teenagers and stuff. And so, anyway, this goes on for a couple minutes. And finally, I lunge at him, and I grab at his collar, and I got a handful of his fur, and I just held on, and I got him back in that way. But that's what it's going to be with that dog. It's just going to be one thing after another. He is going to be our clown. We we love him, but he's crazy. That's my homeboy. I, I love me some Oreo. O-R-E-O. Well, let's get into the podcast, and I'm just going to cut to the Come chase. On. I'm not convinced Vanderbilt and Ole Miss are going to play in a week and a half. I am getting concerned about roster numbers. On both ends, just Vanderbilt? Because I know they're having issues, too, in, in Oxford. Yeah, and depending on who you talk to, it's either severe or it's nothing at all, and it's a fabrication. And I had a couple conversations this morning. It sounds like Lane Kiffin is... Playing that up, but who knows, right? But on the Vandy end, I am concerned. That sucks because it would look that that's uh, if I remember correctly, that's that's Halloween night, right? That is correct. There was no Vanderbilt football last week, and it's weird. It was the, the least stressful Saturday I've had in the last month. Obviously, we don't play this week, 
So if they don't play next week, you'd be looking at a month in between games. And I just don't, I don't know how you do that. What they would do, from my understanding, I think they would play the game on the 19th of November. I mean, not November, December, which sounds odd because that's the SEC championship game, but the SEC really needs the TV revenue. And my understanding is they would just try to play that game that day. Now, nobody would care for the most part other than Vandy and Ole Miss fans and people who bet money on the game, but I think that's what they do. Hey, we'll just call it our bowl game. How about that? They're all bowl games this year, aren't they? I mean, everybody goes. Uh, <laughs> well, if that's the case, then we're 0-3 in bowl games. What if Mason got an extension based on going to go bowl game this year? <laughs> man, I'd celebrate, man. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, no, I mean... What, what 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 can I say, Chris? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Uh, it is, uh, it is, it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, I, I just, I, I guess we've seen and heard it all by now at this point. We're going to, look, we're going to find out sooner than later how serious they are. The vibe people are getting around the program is he doesn't seem to act like his job is in jeopardy. I wouldn't. You know, and if he was, how would you? What would be the what would what would be different if he if he thought that? What? How would things change? Good question. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, and I'm not being silly or facetious. What would that look like? You know, I I don't would know. You pull out all the stops. I mean, what, what? You know, if you look, if if I had something, if I had a job that I would do anything to keep and anything protect, then I'm gonna pull out all the stops, right? No matter how comfortable I had been in the past, no matter how long I've been at the job. But in this case, I mean, you know, I, where where's the pressure coming from? Is the pressure real? I know what we've heard in the last week or so, but how legitimate is that? How much pressure is he under right now? from on top and I I don't know the answer to that now in in normal life in real SEC football life this wouldn't even be a convert we wouldn't be having this conversation but that's not where we live you know and I did read some of the stuff from our AD uh Miss Lee I mean I I get it I I'm not, I'm not stupid I'm quite aware that we're in a pandemic and, and, and the times are certainly different than normal but I don't know how you can use that in the evaluation or why you would even need to. You know, you know what I mean? Unless, unless uh, this team was 3-0, and they were the toast of the town, and they were rolling. You know, they, they went out and they whipped South Carolina, showed LSU how the cow ate the cabbage, you know, and, and, and did their thing against A&M. You know, then maybe you can use that as a barometer for how he's doing or how the program is. But the program is how it's been for a while now, you know. So I don't think that you can say, well, we have to use the situation uh, as uh, in regards to an- analyzing the, the status of the program and, and the job that Coach Mason's done. You've had six years, six years worth to make your determination for whatever that be, uh, whether you think he is legit and good enough to, uh, to, to keep and, and, and go forward with or that it'd be time for a change. I don't need these three games, Chris. What, what am I going to do with these three games? What, am I, what have I learned from these three games that I didn't know already? 
you know. So what, what, what could they possibly not know that they should know from the first six years? Well, the way I was going to put it is, does anybody really think the record would be any different had it not been for the pandemic and things that came with it? Tell me why things are any different than they would have been. I guess that's what I'm asking. And, and if you can't give me an answer why, then why would why should that change what you need to do if you feel like you right, need to do something? What, yeah, yeah, that's basically what I was saying. So, you know, I mean, because there is no difference. I mean, you know what the only difference is? We would have a different record, be 0-4 instead of 0-3. Good point. That'd be about it. You know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said that until Missouri turned around and hung forty plus on LSU and beat them the week after they beat us by thirty-four in our house. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe crazier things happen and we beat Missouri. But I would like to think uh, that uh, first of all, I think Drinkwitz is a really good coach, uh, and secondly. I guarantee you when that schedule came out, new staff or not, man, they looked at, at that Vanderbilt game and say, okay, you know, yeah, you 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 want to sleep on them? Remember what you did last year? Remember what happened last year when you slept on them? You went in there 5-1 and one and, and you never recovered it, wrecked your season? These are the guys that did it. Go get them. I think it was 5-0, and oh, by the way. You sure? I thought they were 5-1. and one. May, Maybe they I, could they have were, been. I they were they were undefeated. I think they were undefeated in the conference. They were ranked. And I could be wrong about this. Yeah, I mean, I could go back and look, but I want to say that they came into that game five and one in the overall, and like three or four and zero in the conference. I think, you know, but I can always go punch that back up and take a look at that. But I'm pretty sure that was the case. What they ended up what five hundred on the season after that? Yeah, and the coach lost his job. Yeah. I was talking to someone today who's really connected. He said, "You know, it just feels like." we're in a restart of a program. And he said, once you get there, it's just a, it's a, obviously it's a terrible place to be, but I just wonder how many people even care enough to watch anymore. I was talking to my brother and look, I grew up in a family. We had season tickets. We sat on the back row of H. I remember my brother. I mean, he used to really get worked up about games. I remember one time we were sitting on the back row on row 41 and there was a bad call. This is before replay. You know those little peanut butter crackers, the sandwich crackers? The orange ones? No, the no, not the, the, the round ones, like the Ritz cracker ones. Okay, the Ritz, the Ritz, I got you. He hurled one of those suckers just from the back row of H. <laughs> and not only did it make it onto the field, but it made it between the white lines. I think he was astonished. But he used to get that worked up over games. Coming into the South Carolina game, he said, I didn't watch a play of either of the first two games, and he barely knew what happened. I mean, I don't think he even knew the scores. I think he knew they lost. But I just think there's a lot of fans that are that way right now. And I don't think that you there's, – oh, yeah. there's no solution for this. I think that's the issue because the people that you're talking to and about are not – unaccustomed to losing football games, right? I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> come on. If you're listening to this podcast, it matters and you're used to it. Um, I think the difference is that even then, you always felt like somebody's coming to say, no, something's going to happen. And it did happen. But 
this kind of feels like we have no lifeline. Like we're sitting there and Regis is staring at us and we have no lifelines left. There's nobody for us to call and they're not going to 50, 50 it. We are where we are. Uh, the only difference being <laughs> there's no million dollars to win. Uh, it's uh that, I think that's the difference because I always felt like, well, you know, there's enough people that care in that administration. You know, if we can just get this, get this fixed, get that fixed, be fine. But, you know, I guess over the last year or so, it's felt like, well, good grief. I mean, we saw them basically actively run off somebody who was trying to change things. You know what I mean? Uh, and we, they, I mean, they, they hired somebody in a position to do just that, and when they started to actually realize uh, that this person might be able to do it, they said, whoa, wait a minute. You know what? This is not what we bargained for, so you got to go. And and if I'm misrepresenting the situation, Chris, you tell me. Uh, no, you're not. And may I interrupt okay, so, you there for a second? I, my, yeah, I, was having a, I was having another conversation with my brother, and he said something interesting to me. He said, you know, he said, any other school that takes football seriously they would take that and the people that would get punished would be the ones that were trying to do in the football program, right? That are trying to sabotage all that progress. Like any other place, those would be the people they would clean house, heads would roll, no questions asked. At Vanderbilt, they take it out on the guy that reports about it. Yeah. <laughs> and the people that do it get rewarded. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit backwards, but... Um, I, I guess that's the reason the reason for the difference. Uh, do are we at the point? Plus, you got to remember something else. I mean, people are already kind of beat down by their lives anyway, right, Chris? I mean, yeah. The six month last six months has been hard on on humans, <laughs> period, <laughs> especially in this country. So, I think we're kind of used to things going wrong, and. I, I think we're just at one of those points now where, hey, just if we can get some football, that'd be awesome too. You know, we can watch it for a little while, and then they get it, and they see that the product is not so hot. So it's just like, you know what, I'll find something else to do. <laughs> but, you know, the good news is, is that if, if, and I, you know, the last four or five days, and I am not getting, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to kick that football. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have to sit back and see it. But some potentially positive news has kind of crept up towards the horizon. And, and, and that will certainly help. You know, there's no question about that if these things are able to be realized. You know, and I think it can bring, you know, some new blood into the program and into the, into the athletic side of Vanderbilt. But there's also going to be a lot of those, you know, that have said, let's say, I'm not just back. You have to show me. You have to get me back. I'm not, you're not just getting me back just because you run this out here and this. I need to see the commitment. And if they do that, you know, Chris, if they do that, they show that commitment, you know, seriously show that commitment, not, you know, just little pieces here and there to, to make you shut up for a couple of years. I mean, seriously invest. The, the way that – and look, I, I, am I talking about on the level of Alabama and LSU? Come on, of course not. You can't or you won't. Or that's just not – there's no reason for that. But if you show that you're serious, I think people – look, Chris, 
Remember bowl games? Remember remember being in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl? Remember Vanderbilt fans showed up? I mean, there was 35,000 of them. I remember Birmingham. I was at that one. You know, I mean, they're itching. They exist, but they're underground. There's no reason for them to come up right now. There's there's less than no reason. Um, but I but they still exist, and I guarantee you, if this university will put as much effort as into turning this thing around as as, as they have keeping it held down, they're going to find man, there's people than we realized. Not just from an athletic standpoint. Yes, that too, and that's very important. It's what we are all talking about on this podcast. But I mean, uh, to me, it's on, it, it can only be a positive throughout this campus, throughout this university and its entire system. Not just on if we win a football game or two. You know what I'm saying? Because I think it truly starts to show. Says okay, the you know because there are certain things, certain products that you know that if they put it out and they put their name on it, then what, Chris? It's going to be top shelf because they don't do anything else like that. That's what we need to be. It needs to be to the point where we say, hey, if, if, if VU is on it, it's on. You know, if, if they put their name on it, then, then you know that it's got the full backing of that stuff. That's not where we've been. I'm not going into all that again. But if we start showing some commitment towards that direction, I guarantee you you're going to find there's a heck of a lot more Vanderbilt fans than you think. I spoke with someone who is pretty dialed in to the inner workings over there today. I said, what do you think it takes to get anything changed, whether that's facilities, coaching changes, whatever? This person says to me, I think that it's all Bruce Evans. He says, I think if Daniel Deermeyer feels like he has the support of Bruce Evans, who's the chair of the board, he's got a pretty clear path to get done what he wants. And that's where my source was unclear is where Evans stands on a lot of these things. But that's just one person's opinion. But this person has been pretty spot on with me in terms of how things operate over there and is dialed in in a lot of places. So I thought that was an interesting take on the situation. So I've never met Bruce Evans, but how about this? Hey, Bruce Evans, you big old pimp. What are you doing, man? I will rub your feet. Man, I, you know, I will name my firstborn son Bruce. Bruce. I'll see him say it twice. Bruce, Bruce. We need your help, big daddy. Got to make this happen. How about that? Is it, did I beg too much? Does that too, sound too desperate? That was, that was perfect. You think Bruce Evans has ever been called a pimp before now? If he has, it was in uh, and not in the in the way that I'm meaning it. I'm meaning it in a good way. Yeah, right, that's my guy. Oh, he could he, he could be. <laughs> if, if 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 it goes the other direction, then you're the other kind. So come on, Bruce. I don't know you. I couldn't pick you out of a lineup, but uh, you're my guy, Bruce. Let's make this happen. <laughs> All right. Today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who will take care of all your insurance needs. Give him a call today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuminthonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jdminthonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about it here. Mr. Vandy says, with the news that came out of the press conference yesterday, do you think things will get done, or is this just another tactical delay 
says both of you can answer that if you like. By the way, I don't know that that was necessarily news. Um, I think that had been repeated on some private calls and I think a season ticket holder meeting, uh, but that was the first time Candace Lee had. Well, first of all, that's the first media availability we had had with her since late February. And yeah, that's the first time she had, you know, of course, last time she didn't tell us anything about anything. So it was nice that she would at least talk publicly about some of the things they had planned. I'll let you answer that first and I'll chime in if you like. Well, I mean, and of course there's no way to know, uh, well, we're all going to find out together. I was glad to see you get the opportunity to be a part of that and, uh, and then take the questions and, you know, and not go around the world to not answer a question. You know, I mean, there's things that they, they can't obviously uh, give you the answer to because they don't have them right now. And I would like to think that they were in more of an advanced stage of planning, but just the fact that they're in a stage of planning period is going to have to be enough for me right now, because I know that at any time they could put their head back in the sand and just, and you know, you, you get to experience these when they address the media. Did it seem like it was the same old, same old to you? Well, it seemed different. I mean, it did seem, you know, first of all, she was courteous to me. You know, the, the tone of everything was different. But I sent the transcript to a few people that know things pretty well and have fought all the wars and everything around there. And the, the collection of responses I got was basically a yawn. It was stuff like, well, they've been in pre-phase one for forever now. And, and it's true. I mean, David Williams resigned, what, 25 and a half months ago now, and nothing has changed. I mean, they haven't even gotten the locker room done. My opinion on it, and look, I, w- I appreciated what Candace Lee did yesterday. I really do. I appreciate that she was more transparent and answering questions and not so defensive and worked with this. But the fact remains at the same time, Nothing has changed, and everything over there is a reaction to something. Like, they didn't start talking about being competitive and winning until Tommy Smith came on my podcast. I mean, you can say maybe it's a coincidence, but there's been a shift in tone. And I think everything over there is a reaction. I think it's gotten out that she is no longer the chancellor's handpicked guy to be in charge if he gets his way. It's Tommy McClellan. That's who he wants running the department. It seems to me like her being more proactive is a way to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm still in charge over here. That's how it feels to me. I could be wrong, but you tell me why there's this sudden shift where all of a sudden Candace joins the teleconference out of the blue after seven months. And again, I'm glad she did. I'm not taking issue with anything that she said or did yesterday. If she's truly going to be the AD and going to change things, she needs to do those things. And the media, me included, will appreciate when she's transparent, but just with the history of everything over there being a reaction to something. And again, nothing has really changed. I mean, she has just said the locker room thing, which she'd said was going to be the first thing anyway. Now she's put a time frame to it and it's going to be basically a year after she originally talked about it. I think everybody's reaction to this is wake me up when you guys actually do something. And I think that's the appropriate reaction. Yeah, I think that's what the way the way fans feel about it. And look, honestly, you're you're right. If she if she's going to do her job, man, I'd just soon her be the AD. It's, it's fine with me. All I'm caring about is the job. 
and the results at the end of the day. This is not about her. Uh, if she's the one that's capable of doing it, I am all for that. Get it. Get at him. But, you know, she's been there. Like, as you mentioned, David Williams hasn't been the athletic director at Vanderbilt for over two years. I mean, I, that's why I said a minute ago, I think we should be farther along in this process than we are, even if there is some potential decent news on the horizon. But she she, she can pilot this ship. Good on you. I, I'm, I'm all for it. But, you know, lip service is, is just, it's just, it's just not enough. You know, the problem here that we have, there was no heat on her or anybody else pulling the strings. And now Chancellor Deermeyer comes along and says, hey, guess what? And now all of a sudden people are stepping to attention. And, hey, I'm cool. If that's what it takes, so be it. I like what I've heard so far uh, out of Chancellor Deermeyer, you know. I mean, because it's clear, because uh, as you as you mentioned uh, last week, uh, it might have been, you know, either on the podcast or on your website, the changes that he's making and wants to make are not relegated only to athletics. My thing at this point is who wins the power struggles, and I would still bet on the Vanderbilt way. I really would. Can we I, please stop saying that? Will you please just stop saying that? Man? Well, but it, it puts a it puts a great face to it, doesn't it? No, we know what it is, though. I mean, it's it's. I don't even want to give that. We all know that it exists. Okay, it's it's kind of like the girlfriend that just destroys you. Back in the day, you know who she is. You know who she exists. But I'm tired of I'm tired of putting that term with our with us because I I'm not part of that. You're not part of that. And if you're taking the time to listen to this podcast, unless you're one of the people we're talking about and you just want to see what they have to say, you're not a part of that. I mean, I know it's a thing. I know it exists. I'm not turning my eyes to it. I'm not blind to it. But I don't want to speak it. it doesn't deserve to be spoken. It's time to speak a different language that is the anti those two words that you just said, you know, because I'm tired of giving them that life. Forget that. When I hear that, it makes my flesh crawl. And Arbor Door says a few weeks ago, Seabass suggested a golden cheese grater as a turnover gimmick. Any other ideas? (laughs) (laughs) That has a little shelf life, it turns out. The golden cheese grater. I what about it. a golden mullet wig, a.k.a. the turnover mullet? The turnover mullet. Let me tell you something, Chris. This might be a thing. A turnover mullet? Let me tell you why. First of all, we need to force some turnovers, like we did against a and Did a great job of that. How cool would that have been if you'd have seen the cats rocking this? Because I'm going to tell you right now. I didn't know this was a thing until last week. I was out at a sports bar watching the NFL ticket, and these three guys come in, and they're, I mean, look, they're not from the backwoods. These were clearly suburbanites. And that, do you know that mullets are in right now, Chris? Do you know that it's a thing? Would you ever, oh. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I couldn't grow a mullet if I wanted to, and if I could, there's no way in Hades I would. It's awful looking. It's just the worst thing ever. It's in style right now, apparently. Mullets are a thing. So, yeah, I'd be down with a mullet. I'd be down. I wouldn't wear one in real life, but I'd wear one for forcing a turnover. You know, of course, it may have the opposite effect. They'd be trying not to force a turnover because they don't want to put a, a mullet on their head. I love the idea, but I don't know, man. I think, you know, the, the golden the golden cheese grater or I don't know, the 
you know, the, the golden hermit crab, something like that. I'm good with it all, but yeah, mullet rocket, man. Anything to draw attention in a positive way to our, to our boys. You know what I mean? I, I love stuff like that. I love seeing stuff like that. Die Hard VU fan says, now that we are a few weeks in, what are your thoughts on the SEC teams overall? And then also ask thoughts on the Tennessee-Kentucky game. So I'll let you go with that Uh, one. So am I doing each team? I guess you can answer how you wish. I just took a couple of notes. Uh, first, Tennessee-Kentucky game. You know, I have uh, this this week uh, on the show, and I'm going to mention a little bit more about tonight. I think Tennessee uh, – look, first of all, I mean, Harrison Bailey, uh, there's some of the fans are like, man, look at Harrison Bailey's arm. Harrison Bailey had one nice pass. You know, that does not mean he needs to be playing against Alabama Saturday. What if uh, – think about, like, what would you say offensively, Chris, Tennessee does the best? In what sense? You mean this, the I mean, football really, team or the or the football the, program? Uh, I'll make it easier for you. They run the football. That's what they do best offense. Yes. Okay. That's that's a little that's a little more in the ballpark of what I was asking. Yeah. Yeah. They run the football well. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. And you say, well, you got to keep a semblance of the passing game. But you can do that. But Jared Garantano keeps throwing it to the other team. So that's a no. That's no bueno. I take Eric Gray. I take Ty Chandler and that offensive line, and I go Wildcat. I'll, I'll go Wildcat with, with with maybe Ty Chandler or Eric Gray. Doesn't matter. Uh, pulling the trigger on these things and, and have both of them in the game at the same time. I mean, honestly, their their passing game would probably net the same results anyway. You know, or at least from a total yardage standpoint, because Garantano kills their drives. And I'm going to take advantage uh, of what I do really well. And Kentucky just tore that tail up. I mean, they took advantage of the mistakes that Kentucky, uh, that uh, Tennessee made. I would have often, I'd be kind of ticked because are they a great team? But they're getting destroyed by the fact that everybody knows they have no quarterback. And I was completely wrong about Garantano coming out of high school. I really thought he was going to be a quarterback. I mean, he's a senior and still doing the same stupid crap he did as a freshman. You know, as a sophomore, as a junior, you know, I mean, what, what else do you need? I mean, he is who he is by now. He's not ever going to be any better. I'm running the Wildcat. If, if, if I'm Jeremy Pruitt, I'm going to do what I do best, ball control offense, keep my team in the game. Uh, that's what I do. I was not surprised that Kentucky won that football game. I was most surprised that they won by 27. As far as teams in the conference, I mean, I think clearly the SEC coach of the year at the quarter pole is Sam Pittman. What he has done in, in, in Fayetteville is – I mean, and see, that's what I'm talking about right there, Chris. That's what we could be with the right man pulling the strings. Sam Pittman walks in. Do you think that they had some kind of massive outside of Felipe Franks who was okay, uh, some massive influx of four or five-star talent that's come in? No. They had a, they got a good coach. And, wow, it's a miracle. All of a sudden, they can compete with almost anybody in this conference. They should be 3-1 and one right now. They got totally jobbed in the, in the Auburn game. They should be 3-1 and one right now. And they've only played one bad half of football, and that was against a very good Georgia team. They led Georgia at the half. You think we're going to lead Georgia at the half? Come on. That's what can happen when you get the right guy in place. He's by far the, the, the runaway SEC coach of the year at this point. I, I think reality has set in in the Magnolia State 
the first week of the season was awful fun and it was exciting, but Ole Miss is surrendering over 50 points a game right now. And all of the sudden, the one good thing uh, that, 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 uh, that Mike Leach could do, they can't do that. You know, I mean, two points against Kentucky. Now what you could say is maybe all of a sudden, you know, between the Tennessee and, 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 uh, and, and Mississippi State game, Kentucky's giving up four and a half points a game. Uh, that's pretty great. Uh, but all of a sudden, Mike, Mike Leach can't move football. And that's with a veteran quarterback. I know he's in a different, te- in a different program now, but it's still a, a veteran quarterback. He can't score points. He can't move the football. Uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M is win by five against Vanderbilt. Turn around next time you're at home, you beat Florida Gators. You know, I'm not going to penalize them for losing to Alabama because, I mean, good great. And by the way, think about something for a second, Chris. The receiving core room in Tuscaloosa last year at the same time featured Henry Ruggs III, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Wallace. Let's go another step. Think about LSU's a year ago. My goodness. Oh, man, that one-two punch. And Justin Jefferson wasn't even the best receiver on that team. No. And he smoked it. No, I know. Chase was the best receiver on that team. I know. Uh, and he's smoking it in the NFL. You know, he had another big game this past weekend against the Falcons. They lost, but he put up big-time numbers. I want to ask you two things. Which wide receiver room would you take, Alabama's last year or LSU's last year? Alabama's. I th- I'll, I'll just say this. I, I would take Jamar Chase over any of those receivers. I think Justin Jefferson, based on what he's done in Minnesota, you have to say, because, look, Jerry Judy, I mean, he's been banged up a little bit, and, and so is Henry Ruggs III. It's unfair for me to use the Justin Jefferson in the pros type of thing, but, but then again, man, I mean, God, Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Waddell are they're insane. And I'm pretty sure Mac Jones is a good quarterback, a really good quarterback. He's being talked about in the first round right now. Is he a first-round quarterback? Um, I don't know. All I know is that his weapons, and, and that's and that's what having Najee Harris behind him as well. I mean, all I know, uh, and what's the other kid's name? Is it Menchie or something like that? The third, you know, the other receiver, the third, number three in Alabama, who's killing him, by the way, too. I, I think maybe the front two front liners might be LSU, but from a total standpoint, I mean, they were four deep in stars four deep. Every one of those players is a superstar stud. Every one of them. Okay, one more thing, and then I'll let you finish, and then we'll get to the last question. I missed probably a lot of the first quarter with some family stuff, but I watched the rest of the game. I'm watching Alabama-Georgia thinking for a while, Georgia might even have the better team here. And then was that game went along the difference in quarterbacks became really substantial. And to me, that's the difference. Well, I mean, obviously, Alabama has that receiving core, although Georgia's aren't half bad either. But the difference at quarterback in those two teams was pretty glaring. And I thought Mac Jones, to me, to me, that looked like, and I know he has the weapons right, but he was so good in the pocket and so calm and so accurate with the ball. That kid, to me, looked like he could win the Heisman. Oh, he absolutely can. Uh, something's going to happen to happen to Trevor Lawrence, I think, but he could. 
this is, I would love to have seen, and this is something I mentioned on the show the other night too, and and it sucks that we didn't get to see this opportunity because you know how high I was on the guy. I would have loved to have seen that football game with Jamie Newman piloting the ship of the Georgia offense. Yeah. Nothing against Stetson Bennett. He's done, he's done fantastic. And he's a nice quarterback. I mean, he's, they're not winning in spite of him. He's been a big part of that. But he's not Jamie Newman. You know, and I would love to have seen Jamie Newman with that Georgia offense. Yeah, he overthrew a lot of balls as that game went on. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Newman just offers a – I mean, I think Jamie Newman's a second-round quarterback. I want to say first, but, you know, without him playing this year, uh have to just revert, revert back to this time last year against Wake Forest, so, or with Wake Forest. So, uh, But I, I was in love with his game then. I, I was a, a, a fan of Jamie Newman's game. So, um, you know, we didn't get that chance, so we'll never know, but uh, – you know, and I don't want it to sound like I'm bagging on Stetson Bennett because he's a good football player. I just think he's a limited football player. And not because he walked on in Athens. I don't care about that. You know, you get there how you get there, but it's what you do with it when you get there. So, I mean, that, that's, that does not factor into the situation. I just think he's limited. Last question so I can get you out of here. Ann Arbor wants to know how many football recruits you think Vanderbilt will sign for the 2021 high school class. You know, it's hard to say by now more than ever because, well, uh, for for a couple of different reasons. You know, with people, we don't know who's going to take advantage of no classification this year. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so I I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, I would venture to guess somewhere in the neighborhood of where they usually live, 21, 22. I, I'll stick with that. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Maybe this time around – because of uh, extenuating circumstances, maybe you see 25. I don't know what the numbers are going to be. Yeah, I don't either. I I, I don't either. But, uh, my friend, I am going to have to wrap this up uh, because i got to do a few things here before the start of this show. So, Chris, tell them where they can get a hold of you. (laughs) Wait, never mind. That's the other way around, right? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter at Cheap Seats Bass. And of course, you can check me out 6 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday on the Cheap Seats 101.5 in Jackson, Tennessee. He is Seabass. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. May have one more coming this week. If not, catch us again next week. And thank you for listening.